Hi, I'm Melissa Italiano, founder of Melissa Natural Perfumes and your host for the With Intent podcast, where I'll be bringing you insightful conversations with everyday inspired people living with intent. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment and share. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Melissa with Intent podcast. Today we are thrilled to have a talented lady that has been living with intent from a very early age. Amy Carter-James is a global leader in sustainable tourism, having won every global award of note after founding, owning and operating an eco-boutique hotel in remote Mozambique, which is now sustainably managed by the local community. It has lifted thousands out of extreme poverty and is a case study for successful, sustainable tourism. I met Amy at the local Montessori school in Margaret River, where she now lives with her husband and two small children, and was immediately impressed with her humility, eloquence, kindness, and just overall being. I'm very grateful for Amy's time and openness to being interviewed, especially since it's my first ever podcast. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. We start our interviews and our blogs with the same question. Um, the English Dictionary describes intent as purpose or giving all your intention to something. Amy, what does intent mean to you? Everything, I think. Um, I think it goes so far as it almost feels like part of my identity now. Um, so, yeah, purpose is, is, um, has driven our businesses, our charities, our even move to here in the way we bring our children up. So, yeah, the vision, a purpose in life um, is absolutely central to everything we do. And you said that it comes quite, it's innate in you. Mm. So you've tapped into that ever since you can remember? Yeah, I think um, as a kid, I wasn't enormously confident, um, but I was always very passionate. Um, and I think... You know, I was, I was quick to jump on the bandwagons of being vegetarian or whether it's boycotting Nestle or I always had a passion for, 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 for injustice or a passion for conservation. And so I think that is where the, um, that intent and that, that passion and purpose comes from. That's really interesting. And I'm, we're sort of mixing. I had a bit of a flow of how the questions were going to go, but we're just going to go for it and have the conversation <laughs> because you mentioned it, that, you know, that was something you had as a child and, and clearly that had to have been fostered by your parents because otherwise you can easily lose sight of that or get conditioned yes. away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my dad was amazing um, and he, uh, he, well, my mum and my dad realised that I was dyslexic very young um, and, and that was a lot of, you know, that's some insecurities, lack of confidence come from there, but also an inner strength comes from being dyslexic because they, they made me get tested and do IQ tests and so on. And they, they, they gave me that confidence to say that, look, you, you might not be performing amazingly at school, but you're smart, you're intelligent, you know, you really can do whatever you want. So that determination combined with the passion and especially, yeah, Sadly, we lost my dad 18 months ago, but um, 
he was a lot of the fuel <laughs> behind it. Um, and, and yeah, he was our mentor or my mentor um, and just gave me that encouragement to, to just go for it with that bloody mindedness. Just, yeah, just go for it and just follow that dream, follow that purpose. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and such a good reminder for all of us parents out there mm. just to yeah. foster versus um, foster that innate, what, whoever our children are yeah. and whatever their passions and whatever fuels them, Yeah, to just foster it. Um, yeah, that's, um, I know we had the conversation about dyslexia because my daughter's dyslexic and she's mm. so strong-willed and we tried to promote it as, as, um, as a gift. And it Would is. you consider it a gift? Completely. Um, yeah, I think you have to get through the challenges of the mainstream academia, you know, the, the tick boxing. And, you know, when you don't think necessarily like all the other kids, it's, it's a bit challenging. Um, but once you finally get out of that fog, then it's just the most, it's the biggest gift. It's, it's the ability to see the bigger picture. It's the ability to think differently to other people in your team or people that you're working with, which is of such value especially when you're an entrepreneur or just when you're working in any team so I really believe that dyslexia is a gift it just needs oh, it just needs a makeover like people just need to view it as such and not look at you with sympathy when you're saying that you're dyslexic so yeah, we digress slightly but I think it's an important point to make so many entrepreneurs are dyslexic um yeah so, very much yeah. Richard Branson mm. um Steven Spielberg there's, the list goes on. When yeah. my daughter was diagnosed, we sat her down and showed her all the people, the famous people in the world, um, the gifted Albert Einstein, apparently. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, we could go and on we that, could. but let's, let's get back <laughs> to, um, uh, I guess, living with intent. So, and it does feel like we need to start with the Galudo Beach Lodge mm. in Mozambique that you and your now husband, Neil, founded at a, at a very young age. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about what Galudo is and, and how, you start, uh, how you decided to start a world-class eco-lodge in a very remote, poverty-stricken area at, at such a young age? Yeah, so um, I met Neil at university um, and basically, and I had this incredible gap year before that. I'd been working in Kenya in the primary school and sort of seeing poverty for the first time and... And then I'd spend a bit of time in, here in West Australia on a humpback whale research boat that was funded by tourism. So we're partly funded. And I just thought that tourism was such a wonderful vehicle to be able to relieve poverty as well as to um, be a great tool for conservation. So I was talking to Neil about these ideas. And, um, and then basically it was him that said, literally on the train away from university after my last exam, said, why don't we just do it? I'm like, okay. And we sort of wrote this for and against list and there was nothing on the against. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And so we said, right, let's just do it. So the whole vision and dream has never changed, like from right from that day to now. How old were you? Sorry? 22. 22. And the idea was to let's... basically, we wanted to show the world the profound potential within tourism to relieve poverty, protect the environment, and basically to... to address global issues. I mean, there's the, we chose tourism because there's no other industry that employs more people. You know, it's not like you, um, you know, a banana grower and you're just 
buying, you know, you don't have many suppliers, you just, you know, buy X, Y, and Z. With tourism, you need the eggs, you need the bananas, you need the sheets, you need the, you need so many things. So there's so many opportunities for entrepreneurs and enterprises, and there's so many, um, there's, there's just a great opportunity to engage with guests while they're on holiday and to be able to inspire them. And, to, you know, people's minds and hearts are open when they travel and to tap into them while they're there to be able to, um, yeah, educate that sounds patronizing but to empower them with with knowledge about issues that are going on in the world and how they can address them um it's just seemed so perfect so so yeah the idea was tourism um and we decided that we would build a lodge um, a relatively high-end lodge um, and we wanted it to be on the coast um and and basically we chose mozambique because it had phenomenal tourism potential i mean the beach is incredible i mean it's 12 kilometers white sand you've got humpback whales cruising past for four months of the year you've got pristine reefs you've got islands you've got elephants stealing on mangoes there's you know it's such a beautiful place you know just it's got all those assets that you need for, for tourism but the backdrop of it was literally tourism that um poverty that would it just, just took your breath away. Like the children weren't going to school because the food security was so poor. And there was no safe drinking water pretty much in the whole region. Um, there was just, I mean, life expectancy was 38. That's how old I am now. You know, it's crazy. And like infant mortality, one in five children who survived childbirth wouldn't get to their fifth birthday. So we thought hey, this is just perfect like we wanted we wanted to go there we, we thought you know, this is just this is literally research desktop research so you hadn't been to mozambique no. before did you no, have a number of countries or we locations? wanted the coast we wanted the east coast of africa okay. um and so we whittled it down and just thought that yeah this was this was the spot so yeah so that the whole dream was to um to do something but commercially minded, uh, we had to show that this can work commercially because otherwise it's just another NGO doing some nice stuff with communities. Um, so we developed the property, the lodge, um, with an incredible architect, um, Richard Nightingale, um, who we learned so much from. And the design of it was to, um, you know, if we if we had to leave, then we wanted nature to take over and not leave a mark on the ground. But it was more than just green architecture. It was about empowerment of local people, skills development just in the building process and adding value to local culture, local heritage um, in that whole building process. And then through the operations to be able to create employment, create opportunities for entrepreneurs. And then sort of on sort of the the extra dimension was to have a foundation that was and we decided to have it operate independently so we could fundraise separately and a minimum of five percent of our revenue went to it does go to nema foundation and that works with all the communities um yeah with a whole array of, of projects so i'm blown away because a it's hugely successful i mean it's won so many awards Global mm. Tourism Awards. Um, we will ask you. I will ask you to talk a little bit more about working with the local people and mm. um, how that's how that evolved and what you learnt from them. But I'm I'm just amazed at 22 and that you and Neil shared the same vision and you just went for it mm. and and it worked and 
it's been hugely successful. And were you married at that time? No, we got married um, no, uh, 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> so, no, we were just, we'd been together a couple of years, maybe two, two and a half, three years. I can't remember. I met Neil when I was 19 and he was a couple of years older. So courage, so, a lot of courage, a lot of faith financially. How did you do it financially? Um, all friends, family, everything that we had went into it. So there was another dimension that had to succeed on just so many levels. Wow, amazing. Um, so you worked primarily with the local people as resources or you had expats coming? How did it all, how did um, you, well, once you had the building and the yeah, vision? Um, it, it, took, it took a while. Um, so if you can imagine like the... The communities, you know, they didn't even really know what a knife and fork or different cups and glasses. And so to get to that, to be able to deliver close to a five-star, five four-five-star experience, it, it's, you know, quite a journey. Um, so we started off having, yeah, local workforce completely, but having expats to help to manage and train the local team. Um, so we started off with me. Well, it was just, it was a bit, um, it was Neil and I to start off with, with a few people helping here and then. Um, but it was, yeah, it was um, very faulty towers, if I'm honest. <laughs> but then we would, as we grew, we had more expats to help to manage the teams and to train the teams. And we went from like at one point up to seven, eight expats, and now we have zero. So it took sort of about 10 years to be able to train up the local team, a majority of whom, so we now still we employ about 31 people um, through the business. And and yeah, our operations manager was a security guard. <laughs> and that he is amazing. Just the most incredible person. And didn't you so so you've created hospitals, schools? Um yeah, so we've built five schools. Um, we've we feed this year, so that's 1,250 children a meal a day at school, which literally just triples school attendance. Um, we've built over, I think it's about 49 water points, rehabilitated or built new water points, and that's given safe access to safe drinking water to over 21,000 people. Um, yeah, well, like we've got scholar, we've got probably about 300 or so kids that have had secondary school scholarships over the last few years. We've got 107 this year who have just enrolled. Um, yes, yeah, so cooperatives, agricultural um, work. Yeah, loads of pottery. Yeah, we've got a very diverse um, array of projects. And that's because what we believe really passionately about is that the most effective way of helping communities lift themselves out of poverty is to a create an economic stimulus which the tourism does and then to help them help the communities address their own issues and if you don't just be polarized and look at one thing like, or you know just building schools or just water when you look at the whole community and look at all of the issues that kind of lock them into poverty when you tackle all of those issues they overlap reinforce each other and then the community can grow more sustainably with stronger foundations working with the um, the community structures um, and and yeah that's and also participation is really important I'm digressing slightly but it's but with working with remote communities um, yeah making sure they practice yeah but it's not just a case of our ideas our dreams and putting it on them is right, well, what do you want to do? Okay, you want to build a school. What are you going to do to build this school? Okay, we could help with this. What are you going to do? 
And then they say, well, we could, we could dig the foundation, we can get the rocks, we could make the blocks if you help us with this. And so it's a part, every project is a partnership, whether it's malaria program, it's, um, then it's working with health volunteers, help to capacity build those volunteers and they can go and run workshops in their own communities and distribute mosquito nets, which are also great fishing nets, which is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you have to make sure you don't end up in the sea. But yeah, um, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible, <laughs> Amy. I mean, um, you must feel very pleased. <laughs> I mean, when you look back and you, you know, employing 31 people you've built five schools you feed 1250 children a day it's i mean it's it's pretty it's quite remarkable did you ever in do you always know that you could do this and that was always or you, is it blowing your expectations we never, we never kind of capped it anywhere i don't know it always felt there's just always feels like there more is needed to be done so you never kind of feel like you've arrived there or you've done better than you thought because there is so much more that needs to be done and you want to do. So you don't ever feel like you've reached there and kind of give yourself a pat on the back because, you know, there's so many more things we need to be working on and doing and, um, and supporting the communities. And that, and that you know, I'm, there's, there's a... Um, I'm going to lead to um, a question I was going to ask a bit later, but Ralph Waldo Emerson says that the purpose of life is not to be happy, it's to be useful, to be honourable, to be compassionate and to have it make some difference that you've lived and lived well. That's so beautiful. It is beautiful. Mm. Um, you know, I just think you, you could almost, you know, leave this world and, and have already achieved that by the sounds of things. What, what do you think about that sentiment and its relevance? to your work at Galudo and with the NEMA Foundation and later we'll talk about where, you know, where your, your vision yeah, is. Yeah, I think this almost comes into the discussion when we were talking about challenges because um, it's, you know, when you, it is so tough and I'm not, and it sounds all rosy and beautiful and amazing what we've done, but it has been so, so difficult. We've had times when you're just like, how are we ever going to get out, not get out of this? We're not trying to escape. But how are we going to get through this challenge? How are we going to, you know, when we've um, challenges with the government, challenges with, and then corruption and, you know, and then some difficult people in the community or whether, you know, the guys, the team that we had initially, they had no idea what it meant to have a job. So they thought that we were exploiting them. So, well, no, we're coming to help you guys. You don't need to um, stage a Sis, you know, I think there was just so many challenges and you're like, oh. And you mentioned getting their cooperation and there was so much prejudice. They were, they yeah, were because they scared saw, of you. not scared, but they, they, you know, Mozambique's history, they've had the Portuguese or their Arabs before and then the Portuguese and basically all the foreigners that came through were trying to exploit them. So like, who, why, why would this young couple be any different? So they liked us, but they were also wary. And so it took time, and there's no substitute for time to, to, to um, develop their trust and for them to kind of understand that, you know, we're in this together. Um, we're not trying to rip you off. We're not trying to exploit you. This is whole purpose of this entity is to help them uplift you and your children and your grandchildren and grandchildren's children. So that, that took a lot of time. Um, but it was, it was a fun journey, but so going back to the challenges, you kind of get to these points sometimes when you're like, when the government are holding, like just a few years ago, they were holding, we had these 
wonderful little motorbike ambulances with the sidecars and the government wouldn't release them because they wanted a ridiculous amount of tax for them and said well no this is this is for your, your health service and you've already said that we wouldn't have to pay tax so, well, we it. so those frustrations and those challenges but then when you see like clean water flowing in a village for the very first time and an old man with tears running down his cheeks and you're just like this is just I wouldn't want to do anything else ever and that that beauty is yeah it goes beyond that happiness that your your quote says it's it's that achievement is like it's just it carries you and lifts you through all those turbulent times and all those times when you you think can I really do this and you you doubt yourself you doubt whether you can succeed like I don't doubt the vision I just you doubt whether you can actually achieve what you want to but you know all these these things just keep carrying you through when you when you when you've got purpose when you've got your mission that is so strong and like i said to start with it almost feels like part of your identity then you you just find a way and you just keep keep going um so and yeah. it fuels you those little wins along the way so those little yes. those moments of connection where you connect to what you're actually contributing to to, to yeah. people's lives yeah you know your intention is pure yeah and when you connect with that along the way it's almost like it's been fueling you yes yeah um you mentioned that you also were both you're confronted and also inspired you mentioned the confrontation of the, the government and yeah um and uh you, what is it that you learnt the most from the locals about their ability to, you mentioned about them living in the moment and, and yeah. their acceptance of their situation? Yeah, and, um, you know, and I think this leads on to another question, so jumping around that you, you're going to ask um, almost about the self-care as well. And I think one of the most beautiful things I've, I've learned from the communities is that their... Um, tragedy happens it strikes so often that people do just they live so they are so present in that moment um, that you you learn to I've sort of learned to do the same to um, feel present and like when you're talking I talk to the team most days and you know when you when you're talking to them and the challenges they're facing it gives you such incredible gratitude for everything that you've got from having a soft bed to sleep on, to being able to give your children the, the food with all, these, all the nutrients that they need and to be able to give them the education that you can only dream of. It makes you so incredibly grateful and that just, and living in gratitude just gives a whole new perspective on, on everything. And I think that's living in the moment and being so grateful is definitely something I've learned from the communities in Mozambique. What a gift. Um, you also mentioned their, their acceptance of their, spirit, um, of their situation mm, and yes. their belief system around that. Yes. Um, and I like using the example of, um, like I said, there's, there's too many losses. People die far too often. And, and when you see, um, and like several times when I've been to... Like, um, remember Isiana, the lady, one of the first people we employed, and she works in the kitchen and she lost um, her son 
and who was about 15 it's, um, and just going to see her the day after um, and you know that raw grief that pain was just something I'll never ever forget and and you know people think say that life is cheap out there and we couldn't be further from the truth it is it's not the case people deal with the facts they deal with what's happened because they say inshallah like it was god's plan like this is they accept it and they deal with it and they don't question whether the situation it's not a case of well why did this happen why 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 like i don't understand it's like no you accept it because that was god's will that's what was planned that was always going to happen on this day at this time so you just accept it and that makes the grieving that makes um, dealing with challenges, problems so much easier because there is that acceptance, um, which is which is really powerful. We didn't talk about the Nima Foundation. We have a little bit, but um, was this part of your intent before you even decided on Mozambique as a location? Like it yeah. was all you were always going to have a foundation. Yeah. Well, we looked at various models. We thought, well, can we? Um, like, can we give the lodge to the community and then they decide what to do? We looked at various models, but fundamentally we felt that um, having the business and the charity side by side, um, but separate legal entities would enable us to leverage some of the goodwill of our guests and be able to uh, apply for funding from other organisations to, to increase and amplify our work, which has worked really well. So it was always part of the vision um, that the mechanisms we decided, you know, as, as we as we created the business plans and we decided how we were going to um, implement everything. But and it's worked really well. Like our biggest supporter um, is a maternity um, chain called Jojo Mama Baby. It's UK. It's just moved to America. It's amazing. And and Laura, the founder, came on holiday and she had, yeah adopted and embraced the charity. And now they do loads of support. So they do loads of fundraising. They're amazing. So yeah, it's it's, it's worked well. And the money from that that goes to the foundation goes back. Is it is it just at, um, in Mozambique that yes. you apply it? Yeah, and a hundred percent of any donation given goes directly to that project. Um, so our business will cover you know the admin and also now Jojo supports some of the administrative like accounting and so on. So if someone wants to donate five dollars for a mosquito net it really does go to buy a mosquito net and a workshop for a, a family of a mother with a child under the age of five that's really important yeah. isn't it we're mm. so skeptical these days yeah in charities but um i understand that that model now and, and what you set up at galudo is now it's highly sought after isn't it i mean what you achieved um you, you've had a private meeting with the with the prime minister <laughs> yeah yeah that yeah. um, was quite surreal yeah when they were um talking about they're trying to promote social entrepreneurship in the uk and they invited um a few of us yeah who, who related where they turned us social entrepreneurs um to yeah meet and discuss um, various ideas so yeah it's opened up an, an awful lot of unexpected doors yeah, yeah just just from your little idea back when you were 22 huh? yeah <laughs> um just getting a little bit more personal your we talked about self-care and rituals and mm. how you allow um insight to you know do you seek it or do you how do you allow that insight to come so that you know wholeheartedly that this is what you want to do and you need to do this now. And in your words, how do you filter through the noise? 
to allow the yeah. insight and the, oh yes we've got to do this and this is what we're going to do next um it's fundamentally it's always what resonates what feels right and is aligned with um with our vision um and neil and i work really well together on this front like i'll have a crazy idea and get distracted and he'll be like hang on like why what, what come on let's refocus and be like yeah okay um so we kind of use each other to refocus each other um but fundamentally it's always what what is aligned with our skills experience and and our overall goal which is fundamentally to use business predominantly tourism to achieve to address global issues whether it's poverty whether it's use of plastics whether it's whatever it is you know, we want to use the vehicle of tourism or business to achieve change, positive change in the world. So if that's aligned, like if whatever it is that we're doing is aligned with that, then, and it feels right, then we'll go for it. Yeah. And that feeling, tuning into that feeling, mm. is that, that's always been innate in you and fostered? Yeah, I think so. We were so young. <laughs> we started. And it worked. And so the confidence. And the, yeah, that it's just become part of who we are so it's it's yeah without that um yeah w w without that intent it doesn't feel right so i think it's conditioned and innate i think it's kind of a blend of the two brilliant your your official title in your business ripple formerly beyond sustainability that you co-founded with Neil, and that's mm. what you're spending most of your time on now, mm. is, um, I, I was quite amused, it's Chief Purpose Officer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you have a title with the word purpose, we know that you're serious okay. about living with intent. And in this case, your business is intent. I understand since you've had your children, mm. you're now even more focused on how entrepreneurs can create a more balanced and sustainable world. Yeah. So you're using this, your experience with Galudo now to, mm. to, to go and, I guess, influence other entrepreneurs and coach them in some ways. And, and that's what your business is? Yeah, we work with a, quite a diverse um, group of entrepreneurs, brands, groups, um, and basically helping them to define and articulate their purpose um, and then turn that purpose into actual tangible action so for example um to help a business think right what do you want to achieve okay we want to have and um, we want to engage with our guests we want to inspire them we want to get them as passionate about our location as we are so okay well how can you do that you can demonstrate this through supporting local initiatives specific initiatives that your that your guests would also engage in um whether it's to do with um, coral conservation um, or it could be to do with engaging with local communities um, with an indigenous group or um, so looking at ways they can connect and they can amplify their impact um, for their quadruple bottom line so quadruple bottom line is people planets profit and of course purpose um, and so often People get so, well, it's normal, people get so focused on their financial bottom line that they kind of let everything else get pushed to the periphery. Whereas research, everything is showing is that when you actually pull your purpose to your core and you 
actually have your KPIs, your key performance indicators on not just your profits, but looking at your impact on the people, planet, and on your actual what you deem success, what your purpose is, your business will be will grow stronger. You'll be able to have a far greater reaching impact. Your guests, your clients will engage in you more, and you'll create more of an army of um, champion brand champions, as well as retaining your staff. You know the benefits are are so many. Um, and so we help, like I said, we help our clients to implement better sustainability, better purpose-driven businesses. And so sustainability meaning environmental sustainability? No. Well, yes, of course. But also it's about your social impact. It's about your cultural impact. Um, I always use the mantra, think global, act local understand the global issues, global challenges, but, you know, act locally. Um, and if everybody on the planet did that, it's so true. You know, <laughs> it'd be a revolution overnight. Is the, the quadruple um, <laughs> bottom line, is that something that you and Neil have coined or is it is an actual term? Well, people have been talking about the triple bottom line for a long time, which is, um, yeah, if there are... There's like the three C's, the four C's, the, the commerce, community, culture, and conservation. You know, there's lots of these little terms around. Most people concentrate on three things, environment, people, and the profit, your commerce. But we really like to encourage people to focus everything and hang everything off their purpose. Purpose. Mm -hmm. And is that, do you have many businesses that say their purpose is just to be profitable and make, a, make money? Some. <laughs> And do you find you work with them? <laughs> That's, that can be challenging. Um, but when that is the case, and we've had a couple of clients where the actual, the CEO, et cetera, are far more commercially driven, um, actually what you do is you ignite with the senior management team who have got more, who are not just focused on their, the profitability. They are focused on the whole array of other um, other areas so you kind of you <laughs> when that is when that does occur then you, you very much attach to and you focus on the purpose of the senior leadership team um, and go in that direction Amy I haven't asked you this question we touched on it but do you have you know a lot of listeners and and I know for myself a self-care program is really important maybe because I haven't been doing what I love and and haven't known my intent from a very early age so I've mm. needed to spend more care um uh, more more time looking after myself to to fuel myself whereas you've just innately it's happened by by living a fulfilled life mm. of intent and and achieving that what do you find that you do need a self-care program other than your 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 vision and work and and um, yes, but it's something that I'm shockingly bad at. Um, I think having children um, forced us to pause and to, instead of working crazy hours and like not having holidays for years on end, and you, you kind of have to stop and pause and focus on your children. And that was the best thing ever for me personally, um, to be able to focus on something that wasn't just work. Um, so that changed my life, obviously, as children do. Um, but no, it's something I'm really 
bad and previously the only way we would pause is when we had malaria <laughs> you had to go in bed for a few days and then you'd be back up and running so no we're not good examples for um, self-care but we're trying i've just started a 30-day yoga um, program which i'm loving and i don't know why i didn't do it years ago so and um, it's a it's a continual evolution i'm i'm on a, a journey to be a little bit perhaps kinder to, to myself and what's triggered that what's triggered the need to do a 30-day yoga trial um oh, I, 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 I was always very active and loved sport as a kid and I sort of just haven't ever carved any time out for that and I feel like the yoga is just, just taking is, is a nice step in the right direction a bit of time just to refocus and yeah, and, and to feel more connected with your body and your mind. I, yeah, and I'm, I'm really appreciating that. And it was well overdue. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, I'm only on day eight, so it's early days, but I'm determined. So on that, being when you're in Mozambique, and you spent yeah ten years in Mozambique. Well, the the first few full time, the like the first five or six years was pretty much full time. And then the following few years, we were sort of travelling loads. So there a lot and then the UK traveling and all over the place so so yeah but majority so majority of 10 years yeah. the self-care program didn't exist no no <laughs> it was just work and being fueled by I guess no and it was so physical anyway yeah like, um like whether you're taking guest diving or you're on you know you're always on your feet you're always around doing stuff what did you observe of the the local Mozambique community and their ability to care for themselves was there a ritual do they have rituals Rit um, yeah they've got plenty of rituals um but it's not i think they're more traditional um ceremonies i think is when you say rituals i think of ceremonies um which they have a lot of but they don't yeah i think if you i mean they're they're very devout well relatively devout muslims there so they'll go to the mosque and they'll pray regularly which i think is quite um cathartic in itself so apart from that people are just always kind of surviving yeah, surviving but laughing and enjoying moments as we all do Beautiful. laughing at the kid or whatever it is um yeah now final question what what do you dream about amy um it depends what day you ask me that question i think but um i think probably i dream of being successful in our purpose to be able to have a bigger greater more profound impact on really important challenges facing our planet and through that success, inspiring my girls and other kids. I think that's probably, you know, having children does have that dimension. So it's not just about wanting to, for my, achieve things during my lifetime. I want to be able to live by example and want to be able to inspire my girls and their friends. That they can make kids. a difference. Yeah, that, you know, this is, it's, it's a possibility. You don't have to necessarily go down a specific, specific well-paved track. Um, you can make your own 
rugged, <laughs> bumpy road and do whatever you want. Um, and just to try and ignite that, that passion for, um, for, for, for changing things that, that need changing. And are you seeing similar passion and strong-willed um, behaviours in your daughters? Yeah, well, Mara's only two and a half, so <laughs> it's early days for her, but she's very strong-willed. Um, but India definitely, like she, oh, she made my heart sore when she said that. She, she said, "Mama, I want to, I want to, what was it? I want to change the world. I'm going to stop people cut, cutting down the forests." Or just she says things like this. It's like, oh gosh, yes, oh. yeah. So I hope, I hope that they will also yes. follow their path, not the path that we want you know not my path their own path i think this younger generate these younger generations are more conscious and socially aware yes and i think it's almost um, yeah it was innate in you um i think it's definitely innate in this younger generation yeah. so it's yeah. very exciting to see um so good luck um i'm so um grateful to you for sharing yourself with us today and and really amazed by what you and Neil have been able to achieve, um, inspired and um, wish you the, the, the greatest success with Ripple and your dreams. And it's been an honour. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much.